Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, October 19th, week six, just about in the books. Of course, if you're listening to this on Monday, you know we've got two more games ahead of us, Bills and Chiefs, Cardinals and Cowboys, and then we can finally put a bow on week six. But we've got plenty to talk about here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every Monday by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how we feeling? We're just about... Halfway through your typical fantasy football regular season here. Yeah, it's going really well. I wish this could have been like week one, you know, Fulgham, Swift, Henderson. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun right now. This is, this is good. Uh, annoyed would be the best way to describe me. So it's so many places of annoyance for me across the league. I'm sure we'll talk about several of them on this podcast. Well, hold on. Let me see if we are. Let me scroll down because you're going to bring up annoyed. Okay, yes, we yes, will. I'm excited. I already can't wait. I know one of them. I know one of them you didn't have to scroll down for, but we're going to start with one that I think maybe we're all uh, either excited about or ambivalent about and just as football fans probably excited about. And it's with DeAndre Swift, right? The breakout we've been waiting for, the usage we've been waiting for came through in week six, 14 carries for 116 yards. Two touchdowns, he showed some of his breakaway ability. One of his first carries of the game broke through the line and went for 54 yards, scored two touchdowns, starting to hopefully put Adrian Peterson, on Johnson into the rearview mirror. He did only play 17 snaps, ran six routes uh, here in this game. So, you know, it feels like a um, – it, it does feel like – we could be seeing more work coming from him uh, in the in the future. He really made the most of what was given to him in this game. But, I mean, are we ready to say that this is DeAndre Swift's backfield, at least in like a 75-25% sort of way, Jake? No, because he's only out there for a third of the snaps. It's super exciting, but still, it's a third to him. Actually, a little over a third, a little over a third for Adrian Peterson, and then you still have the other third with Kerryon Johnson. So... I guess, you know, maybe is it like 40, 40, 20? Yeah, it's still not. It's he, Johnson had a little bit more than 20. So somewhere around there. But that's the point. Is it still Matt Patricia? We can get excited. He's the best fantasy value. We know that. Uh, Emery Hunt, similar to we play to win the game and playoffs and all those. And they are like he, his quote of just play your best damn players should just be a quote for somebody out there for everybody to continually say over and over again. I've said it over and over again. So maybe that'll be the way to give Emery credit for the rest of his life. But play your best damn players. And DeAndre Swift is your best damn player. The problem is it's Matt Patricia and even in his best damn game. Still got a third-ish of the snap. So, yes, best fantasy option. Yes, everybody can be super excited because he's finally starting to get some opportunities. But, no, I'm not ready to put him. And this is – look, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but you know, he's somebody that thought he could be a top 15 talent if given the opportunity. I don't think he gets there just until at least Adrian Peterson or Kerryon Johnson potentially gets hurt. 
Yeah, I was at least heartened by the, the first touchdown run. The long touchdown run was, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson could have made that run. It was not, there was no, I don't even know if there was a, any yards after contact because I don't know if he got touched. Um, and I was a little bit worried that, like, that would be, you know, it'd be a normal game for Swift, but he'd have that and people would start saying, you know, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, he needs more. I was, I was glad to see that he actually would follow that up with some solid production after that play. I think that bodes well for him mm-hmm. going forward and they actually gave him a little bit more run than we've seen. So I expect I expect that he's not going to be a guy that's going to be stuck at six to eight touches. That it, this is this is the the point where at least he's getting into the teens on a more regular basis. Um, and right. but I, I'm with Jake as far as like Adrian Peterson, Garyon Johnson are not completely going away. Yeah, don't think that that's going to be the case really for the entire season. But we have to believe at this point going forward, especially since they came out of the bye, that we're at least going to see him in a leadership role in the backfield. And what that means week to week is going to depend on Matt Patricia's whims and on game script and game flow and all that. But at least we are now at a point where we can say DeAndre Swift feels like a viable fantasy play from week to week. I, mean, I thought we were going to be there with uh, Daryl Henderson maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I think this is Brandon Funston Annoyance Part 1 uh, in this one. episode of the Athletic Fantasy <laughs> Football Podcast because right, we were, this was the week. More Cam Akers. Sean McVay told us more Cam Akers. Going to get Cam more involved this week. Uh, one snap was uh, how much more involved Cam Akers was. Played all of one snap in this game. Meanwhile, Daryl Henderson got 14 carries for 88 yards. He played 32 snaps in this one. I mean, I I feel like we're never going to be able to trust Sean McVay, right, in a full way. But now with what we've seen from Daryl Henderson for the balance of this season, are you feeling decent about him, at least, in your lineups uh, on a just, you know, in a vacuum? Right? Take all the – strip the context away. Daryl Henderson is on your team. Are you more often than not putting him into your lineups after what we saw in this week and going back now five weeks? What do you say, Brandon? I'll put him in my lineup now, yeah, after Cam Akers gets one snap after, you know, coming off a game he had nine carries at the big, long 40-yard run, and you were expecting that would be a, a stepping stone to a little bit more work. I – I'm wondering if there's more to this story of Cam Akers' ribs, you know, felt worse this week than they did last week or um, something behind the scenes happened. It makes no sense that he played one snap. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think Henderson is obviously the guy that you're going to play right now. I expect the rug to get pulled out from under you at some point in some week. It will happen, it looks like, with Sean McVay. That's just kind of the way it's going. But right now, I mean, I don't know how you keep Daryl Henderson out of your lineup until you see something that that throws a roadblock in front of that. Yeah, unfortunately, this is the combination of both. This is player, best damn player, Daryl Henderson, but there's other best damn players, also Cam Akers. <laughs> they can perform like a great combination. Like I'm talking ceiling. I reference them a lot, but the Eckler situation. But Eckler and Gordon, like last year's Eckler and Gordon, when they were both top 15, I think this duo could do that. Uh, to what Brandon said, though, similar to what I brought up with uh, the running back I talked to, and that's not, oh, you know, you talked to a running back. But <laughs> just go back to it. It's um, Just because Brandon mentioned it, and it's essentially what that person said, is something might have happened in midweek. Maybe Cam Akers, maybe it's the injury. That could be a, a, a situation. Maybe he missed an assignment on Thursday. Maybe something happened because, you know, we just heard last week from Sean McVay, he's going to get a heavier workload. And he gets one snap. Like, ribs aggravated? Sure, makes sense. He got ticked off in practice? Makes sense. But something happened. Like you said, it's, it doesn't make sense that everything held held the same, and then we only got one snap. Jake, rest of season, who would you rather have, DeAndre Swift or Daryl Henderson? 
<sighs> Swift. Oh, that's a good one. How about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Swift as well. All right, so let's say you have Henderson. You're trying to get Swift. You would trade Henderson plus this is like, <laughs> wide receiver no, four. No, this is like a five point one to a four point nine out of ten. Like that's yeah. how close. It okay, is. okay, that's what I was getting at. That, I feel like I feel like uh, doing all these yeah. shows with uh, our buddy Nando is rubbing <laughs> off on me a little bit here, right? With uh, right? Uh, wide receiver oh, just, four plus uh, plus Henderson for Swift. Is you that didn't, uh, you didn't that trade include you make? like some? You didn't include like a rookie card that he bought off eBay. <laughs> that should have been part of the trade. It's close enough that if you don't move on, I might switch my answer to Daryl Henderson. I, it's, I'm there not quite go. sure. All right. Yeah. Well, then let's move on. Let's move on to the Houston Texans, who have woken up offensively in two games without Bill O'Brien. 66 points in those two games. Deshaun Watson, 694 yards, 9.6 yards per attempt, and seven touchdowns in those two games. Brandon Cooks, 17 catches, 229 yards, two scores. Will Fuller, what's up, Jake? 10 catches, 181 yards, two touchdowns. Darren Fells, eight catches, 142 yards, two touchdowns. The Houston Texans looking like an offense that we thought they could be coming into the season. I guess the question here, you guys, I mean, obviously, a quality of opponent has something to do with this. We all remember how Houston started the season, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. The last couple of weeks, I mean, they played an undefeated Tennessee team in week six, but not a defense that is quite on par with especially Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So the the quality of opponent has definitely been different for Houston since they let Bill O'Brien go versus when Bill O'Brien was still there. But are we feeling like this, what we've seen the last two weeks, is the Houston that we're going to get for the rest of the season? Where are you at on these Texans, Jake? I think so. Like the Deshaun Watson thing, especially, uh, mostly because going into the season, we said, you know, he's kind of in the Russell Wilson, but less of a passing ability. Like he puts up the rushing side that offsets his lack of passion. It's like similar to past years of Russell Wilson. It's like, okay, you know, he throws for maybe 30 touchdowns but a lot of it it adds with the four or five hundred rushing yards and a few rushing touchdowns and that's why we like Deshaun Watson as a top five quarterback and at the beginning of the season we're like oh my god he's not even throwing what he used to be throwing and this team looks like a mess it's not just Bill O'Brien I think he is part of it but also the schedule softened up it was kind of a really not quite the Giants but it was a rough start for the season for them a lot of people talked about it Brandon Cooks in and out of the lineup uh, Will Fuller dinged up at the one point, but I think he's played every single game so far, hasn't he? But, yep. you know, he's been he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, banged up players, inconsistent players, and then the schedule. So I think that it's just now softened up, and this is what we were seeing. So I don't think it's 100%, Bob. I just think it was a lot of combination of factors here, and I think you have to feel good about the Texans' offense. I say, whew, I'm not quite ready to just completely forgive everything I remember about Cooks to put him in must-start status, but he's getting close back to it Uh, I say wide receiver four right now he's not quite a wide receiver three just yet even though the last two weeks have looked great Brandon really quick and you can answer this question too in full but I want to also ask you so uh, we know what they've done to this point next week week seven I mean they get Green Bay then a bye then week nine Jacksonville week 10 Cleveland when is the what's the over under of Jake saying I'm sorry about Will Fuller now zero um zero point <laughs> five like when have you ever heard jake say he's sorry like I, that's i don't expect that to be anything i think he punched you in the that's face accidentally he won't say he's sorry um no because i'm waiting for something on the show well we're gonna cut that's the second tease of it go ahead keep going 
yeah, I think to Jake's point, I, I think their schedule is a huge one uh, with with the Texans. I mean, I'm just looking at Deshaun Watson because sacks have always been an issue with him and, and something that always throws a monkey wrench in his production. And you look at the first three games, he was sacked 13 times. The last three games, he was sacked six times. So less than half the amount of times. And lo and behold, you get three straight 300-yard games. I think that has something to do with it. I think maybe a little bit of an emotional change with the changeover at coach, but I think that's probably down the list of, of factors of why they're doing a lot better and probably you know just overall health of the team has something to do with it as well so um i think it's slightly yeah, that, there it's probably like playing with a weighted vest and he like took it off <laughs> i think that yeah. might be part of it. <laughs> that's a good analogy that's definitely a good analogy and uh, yeah just to remind everyone before tennessee houston played jacksonville so those are the two big games that we've seen from deshaun watson from this passing game jacksonville in tennessee so maybe this still could have happened with bill o'brien what we do know is that it did happen without him and now uh, a schedule of as i said over the next three weeks that really doesn't scare you too much Green Bay, Jacksonville, and Cleveland with a bye mixed in over the next four weeks for the Houston Texans. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, totally shut down by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, I was really excited for that game, guys. I was telling myself, all right, no one likes a two-game 4 p.m. Eastern window, but hey, at least one of these games is Green Bay, Tampa Bay should be back and forth, fun game. Really, either team could win. We could be talking about either of these teams going to the Super Bowl and no one would be surprised. And then, man, Tampa Bay's defense just buried Green Bay's offense, ran away with that game without really a dominant performance in any sort of way from the offense. But we did see another big game out of Ronald Jones. 23 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. He now has three straight 100-yard games. There are plenty of teams that Ronald Jones could be on, guys, and we'd be saying that's it. Wipe your hands of any sort of controversy. This is the guy Easy RB2, RB1 ceiling the rest of the season, but he's not on one of those teams because we know Bruce Arians is his coach. So the question I put to you first, Brandon, can Bruce Arians really Bruce Arians this up once Leonard Fournette is healthy, or is Ronald Jones finally going to be a trustworthy player? I think he's going to be mostly trustworthy. I think he's gained some trust over these last three weeks, and you know Leonard Fournette has been available. Uh, at least he was, you know, on Sunday. And um, but look at it. Once upon a time, Bruce Arians employed one of the most heavily used running backs in the league, and David Johnson. You know, probably and probably a reason why David Johnson is, you know, a little bit of a shell of what he used to be, because he was used so much by Bruce Arians. So there is that potential. I I've watched Ronald Jones every week. I come away saying that guy earns his yards. I mean, it's not nothing is really given to him. Tampa's been doing fine off on the offensive line, but Ronald Jones is beginning getting yards after contact, and he's just a kind of the guy that I've been so impressed with his ability to kind of just work through the trash of of what doesn't look like there's much available, and then he ends up with four or five yards, and so. I don't know. I think he's going to I think he's going to be fairly safe going forward barring a, a really bad fumble or a, you know something that's going to knock the trust down, but I think he's there right now. Oh, and that's the concern though. It's like a really bad fumble because we already saw that happen once already. The good news is that Leonard Fournette still not 100%. Keyshawn Vaughn started to see a little bit of work. I'm with you is that I, I think that we're okay for now, but you even you said it too, Brent. You said for now, unless something were to happen. But well, that's a, I think it's sh- about as good as anybody can hope for right. is to know and what's going no, on for that's week where seven. I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, and that's where I'm going is I I do think that like would anybody be shocked if he fumbled and all of a sudden he got the Belichick treatment and like never got back into the game and it was Leonard Fournette for the rest of the game? I think that's why if you can get Ronald Jones and if you could trade him away and get mid RB2 value for him. 
I'd be willing to do it just because we're all terrified of what Bruce Arians is going to do. So you can't just trade him away to get him off your team because a lot of people still don't want to pay that for Ronald Jones. And that's understandable because we all have that concern in the back of our minds. So, yes, trust him for now. I think you have to start him every single week, no matter the matchup. Even if he was facing his own Buccaneers run defense, you would have to start him at this point. But you just feel like that shoe is just hanging by a thread about the drop. Let's bring back those other two running backs from, you know, five, ten minutes ago. Is he a better play in general going forward than Swift and Henderson? Or are you mixing him in somewhere in there? No, I think he's better than both of them because he doesn't have anybody to worry about the workload with. It's the concern is is just if Arians just changes his mind. But Sean McVay changing his mind, Matt Patricia changing his mind. It's not like they're all three not dealing with coaches who do the same thing. I'm with Jake. I actually would take Ronald Jones over the the other two as well. You feel a little bit more like it would take more to change Arian's mind right now in this moment than it would for Patricia or McVeigh. Another schedule that doesn't really concern you too much coming up, Tampa going to Vegas to take on the Raiders next week. Week after that, they are in New Jersey to take on the Giants, and then they return home for what could be a big game in the NFC South against the Saints. That is week nine. So next three games looking uh, at least decent, if not very good, for Ronald Jones and really that entire Buccaneers offense, which we will get back to a little bit later. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, next up, let's transition. I'm going to run through some injuries that happened in Week 6. Thankfully, even with two games left, I know you don't like me saying this, Jake, but thankfully Week 6 has been a relatively light week on the injury front. We're going to use that to dive into the running back portion of our waiver discussion because the few injuries that were meaningful – Two of them happened at the running back position. One of those is to Miles Sanders. He is getting an MRI later today, so by the time all of you are out there listening to it, we might have results of that MRI. Already unlikely to play, however, with the Eagles having a quick turnaround on Thursday night football. Zach Ertz also uh, got hurt in the Eagles' loss to the Ravens. He suffered an ankle injury, turned just 10 targets into thir- turned 10 targets, I should say, a big number, into just 33 yards. In that game, Raheem Mostert suffered an ankle injury in the Sunday night win over the Rams. Uh, was looking pretty good before he left that game. 17 carries for 65 yards. And then Devontae Parker left Miami's win over the Jets with a groin injury late in the game. This could have been something where it was, uh, obviously he's been nursing some injuries and they had the game well in hand by the time he suffered it. So we'll have to see what his uh, what his timetable looks like when we get some more information on it. But let's look at the running backs because we've got Miles Sanders and Raheem Mostert. Both of those guys seem to have ready-made backups that you can get on the waiver wire right now in Boston, Scott, and Jarek McKinnon. So let's start our discussion at waivers, at running back with those two guys. Jake, why don't you take it here first? Boston Scott, Jarek McKinnon, how are you factoring those guys into your waiver discussion, knowing right now that we don't have a ton of information on how serious the Sanders and Mostert injuries are? Yeah, McKinnon's going to be less available. A lot of people hung on to him smartly, even after Mostert came back because of his upside. Even when Mostert is out there, it could potentially be a flex. If he's still out there and both are, it's McKinnon, and it's by a mile. It's not even close for me because – the feeling I get with Boston Scott, and this is coming from somebody in the beginning of the season that thought Scott could carry Darren Sproles like RB3 value, which didn't happen. 
Uh, I think that if you look at the two of them, I get this feeling of Boston Scott where I feel like I'm not, this isn't a victory lap because I should have. I, I didn't. I should have trusted my gut about Madison. I had a feeling of the Mike Boone situation we dealt with with Minnesota last year. It's like, oh, the next man up is going to be just as good. Some of these guys are really good backups, but they're not a top-end running back. They're not even really good running backs. And I get this feeling with Boston Scott that just tells me, from what I've seen from Boston Scott, Felix, he can fall into the Alexander Madison as he just gets put out there, and that he's just not equipped for it. And maybe you know some of that was game script, but we would think Madison would be a very good pass catcher because we've seen that from before, and that's the same thing as Scott. So that's why I'm drawing that parallel and saying that if Sanders and Mostert are both out, it's McKinnon, and it's not even close for me. But I would go after Scott. But don't forget deeper leagues about Corey Clement. He will spell Scott because Scott can't handle 20 touches either. Yeah, I, this is the second annoyance part, too, is, you know, I think I had Boston Scott on every one of my teams going into the season as one of the last round and picks. And and I've, I've worked him off of my lineup in most all of them, you know, and I'll be damned if I'm going to go out and spend my, you know, hard, my, my, my fab money, like the, the precious few I have left on Boston Scott. And I, I'm just hoping this is not a bad injury for Miles Sanders. You know, I've, I've seen some people glean that it's not going to be an ACL from the way, uh, you know, the way the injury looked and the way he kind of reacted afterwards that, uh, you know, maybe it's not going to be the devastating injury. So I'll knock on wood and hope that that's the case. Yeah, this could be a one-week thing, especially since, uh, you know, the Eagles playing on Thursday and then when they come back after, we could see him back. And, you know, Zach Ertz is interesting, Terrifying matchup, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) New York Giants we're looking at here? (laughs) Yeah, you know what the good thing is? Hopefully it is just one week because I I say good and bad, and I I don't know if you're about to say this, Mike. So the good is they get the Cowboys on Sunday night when they come back if it's one week. The problem is if they want him to be healthy, here's the issue. Week nine bye. Yeah. They could just hold him out for two games, and then it's three weeks because they have their bye and just say, why risk it? Yeah, right. I mean, you're talking about holding him out for just two games, and he gets nearly a month of recovery time. Yeah, and then he gets the Giants right after the bye again. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course. Uh, but, you know, Boston I mean, Scott, if Boston Scott doesn't look great and you got two straight, you know, conference games, right. division yeah. games. Yeah. Division no, games. yeah, there's the, either, of yeah. course, there's the counter argument to it. It's just, yeah. I could see the point being is I could see it going either way. I mean, they, yeah. they, there's a way they could lose that week eight game to Dallas and Dallas could be like completely in the, oh, the, the division winner is going to be like six and 10. Come on. Let's be real. <laughs> six, nine and one. Maybe if it's the Eagles, <laughs> possibly. <right? laughs> um, how about some, someone else at this, uh, in, in the same division at the running back position, who I think is going to be popular on waivers. You guys, JD McKissick, over the last three games, developing into a reliable passing game option for Washington. 22 targets in those three games, 19 catches, 129 yards, played more snaps than Antonio Gibson in week six. I think you probably got to be in a full PPR league to really want him mm-hmm. in your starting lineup. But if that is you, easily viable and maybe the top guy available on waivers this week. What do you say, Brandon? Gonna have to. He had to throw that question to me again. Sorry, Mike. I was I was messing with something off to the side, and then I just realized I didn't hear who the player was that you were talking about. It is uh, JD McKissick. I just uh, posited that maybe he's the top running back to go after in full PPR leagues. Yeah, I mentioned McKissick last week. It was I think it was on our. Um, Ooh, maybe it was super on- smart over here. 
Yeah, I got. I gotta. You know, I gotta pat myself on the back every once in a while. It was. It was a player that you wouldn't usually start that you might consider last week on our ranking show, and that was my answer. That is that true. Yeah, and I said, uh, I don't feel great about saying it, but the guy is getting work, and he's you know in PPR, he's getting a ton of passes thrown to him, and we saw basically the same thing play out again for the second straight week, uh, or even you know he's done it in previous weeks besides that as well, but he did it maybe to the best that he's done it uh, all year. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of continuing to be a thing. Antonio Gibson, sort of, you know, like uh, DeAndre Swift earlier in the year, where we think he's going to get this next level of touches it's not happening for gibson they're kind of getting stuck in this same uh level of of share work share distribution and so mckissick looked like he's kind of here to be that fly in the ointment for antonio gibson for a while yeah this the mckissick situation has been something we've kind of known for multiple weeks and said yeah look the comparison i drew is theoretic back when he was with the lines that's why full ppr is a great way to put it mike the concern here is, you know, the Washington offense can go sideways any given week. But on the flip side, the positive side of it, as much as I think Haskins was better for the offense as a whole, Kyle Allen and his check down ability has actually been even a little bit better than Haskins has been for the situation with McKissick. You know, the Kyle Allen knew how to check down to Christian McCaffrey a ton, and he's doing the same with McKissick. So, yeah, I think going forward, full PPR, especially during buys, he has some value. Let's shift gears here for a second, get back to the Eagles. Zach Ertz, the other player injured for that team in the game. Again, a quick turnaround playing Thursday night football. We'll see what the MRI results yield on Monday. But at the same time that he is uh, potentially going to be missing some time from an ankle injury, injury, we have Dallas Goddard potentially coming back from his ankle injury. He is eligible to be activated off IR this week. Remains to be seen if that will happen for him, but Feels like a guy who could be a savior for fantasy teams at this tight end position, even when, even if Zach Ertz is healthy. We know that Goddard is going to have a meaningful role in this uh, passing game. So how do we stand on Dallas Goddard on waivers this week? To me, guys, if you are tight end needy, he's one of the best guys I think to go after regardless of position. Where do you stand on him, Jake? Yeah, you know me. Is I was never the biggest Goddard fan, mostly because he was the number two of a tight end position here. I think you do have to go after him, but I'm not going to put him outside of a group that still, in my opinion, includes the Hurst inconsistencies, the Hegby inconsistencies, mm-hmm. Gesicki, which was one of the most aggravating. I wonder if that's on Brandon's <laughs> list, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, God, every Adam other Shadeen. tight end but Gesicki. <laughs> both of them. Yeah. The, both the other tight ends. Like They just they, they had three Gesickis out there stealing touchdowns from Gesicki. Uh, like, this is the group they deserve to be in because I think part of it and this isn't my Fulgham love. It's just I think a lot of Goddard is the fact that they they needed that big body, and he was helping with mm-hmm. that, that Fulgham's now doing. So I still think Goddard has value. I just don't know if it's going to be like last year's end of the season value where he was also a tight end one every single week. And I think his presence might help Ertz a little bit, who had a ton of targets but just really couldn't connect with Carson Wentz. It was a bad matchup too, but I think this I think his presence is just going to help the offense in general too. Uh, so I have three one-and-done leagues where you can choose a guy one time. Kosicki was my tight end for all of them. So, yeah, I, that's annoyance. <laughs> annoyance oh, number three for sure. But uh, I am the biggest Goddard fan, and I think if I was a yes, Zach Ertz uh, rosterer, I would cut Zach, Zach Ertz for Goddard uh, when he comes back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think certainly Ertz would be helped by Goddard's presence. But, you know, you look at the separation numbers. Ertz's number was at 1.1 yards. Uh, going into week six, and he was been around 1.5 for the previous three years. So uh, he's not getting separation. Part of it could just be more defensive attention. 
but I think, look at Goddard comes back. Fulgham can still be a thing. Like, there's definitely room for two, three guys to be weekly, you know, solid contributors. And I think Dallas Goddard, when he comes back, is going to be, uh, you know, probably no worse than number two in that in that department. So uh, I'm I'm in on Dallas Goddard all the way. See, this is all I got to do to get you guys talking about a tight end. I just sneak one into a running back section, and we talk about the tight end. <laughs> it works beautifully. I love it. Uh, We're some on running to backs... now, Beller. Yeah, We're on right? to now. <laughs> <laughs> some other running backs you might want to take a look at. We'll just run through these guys really quickly. Justin Jackson still sub-50% rostered on Yahoo, sub-60% rostered on CBS. Obviously, Chargers uh, had a bye this week, so maybe someone to take a look at depending on how running back needy you are. And in some of those leagues, you won't even have to uh, wait for waivers to process because uh, because they, he remains a uh, free agent, given that the Chargers were on a bye this week. And then Gus Edwards, probably not going to have a ton of fantasy viability. You guys, One of you guys can jump in if you think I'm wrong on that. Mark Ingram suffered an ankle injury in the Ravens' win over the Eagles. Ravens don't think it's a serious thing, uh, but this is just a, a headache of a backfield. Uh, you, you wouldn't be able to, no, you wouldn't be able to tell anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just a total, total annoyance, of a backfield. Yes, annoyance yeah. number four. By the way, Gus Edwards, 14 carries. That was three touches higher than the previous high mark by a Baltimore Ravens running back this season. So It's insane. Insane. It's 26 yards yeah. and a touchdown on those 14 carries, but yes, that's <laughs> hey, exactly the point. J.K. Dobbins, I'm nine carries, 28 yards. I'm not trying to root for an injury. Yep. But if Ingram is out, at least we might be able to get some value out of Dobbins and yep. Gus Edwards because now we're down to two. Right, yep. right, exactly. And in that game, uh, Dobbins uh, had nine carries, 28 yards. So uh, it's just been a real headache of a backfield. And, of course, Lamar Jackson, probably the best running back in that backfield, going over 100 <laughs> yards in the win over the Eagles. Let's get back to some of the news from week six. Miles Gaskin, you guys. Developing into an every week starter here? I think he might be. 18 carries, 91 yards in the win over the Jets. Got four targets. Caught them all, 35 yards. He's had at least 21 opportunities, meaning carries plus targets, in three of Miami's last four games. And here are his NFL ranks at the running back position. 13th in carries, 10th in routes run, 4th in targets. I know we don't love the Miami offense, but the volume is there for him. Every single week, Jake, if you have him on your team, are you feeling like he's yeah, obviously your roster uh, depends on this, but are you generally feeling in a vacuum? Is he someone who you are default plugging into your lineup? Yeah, yeah, actually, I actually, my home league, he was my RB2 since week three, and I didn't look at it as, and I'm not, <laughs> well, I guess this, look, it's me, so everything I say sounds like a victory <laughs> lap. Uh, it's, it's like, I, 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 I wanted to say this, and I didn't know how to say it without it sounding like a victory lap. Is I felt com- like I wasn't trying to improve the position. I wasn't like going, "Oh my god, I've got Miles Gaskin as my RB two. What am I going to do?" I was just like, "Oh, he's my RB two. Not everybody can have you know a top fifteen running back as your RB two, but as a top twenty ish, twenty two ish, and I think he's even now top fifteen for the past two weeks. I would put him there. So." Yeah, I have no problem with them. I think a lot of people similar to James Robinson have just been slow to coming around just because it's the it's the perception of the team, it's the perception of the backfield. I said this to a buddy yesterday about James Robinson. I think they both deserve to be in the same conversation as Gaskin and Robinson. Is if Leonard Fournette was still on the Jaguars doing what James Robinson is doing, nobody would have a peep. Everybody, oh, RB1, guaranteed, mm-hmm. locked in. If we go back to, I'm trying to think of the last good running back for the Dolphins. Can't really. Oh, if Leonard Fournette was of the Dolphins doing what Gaskin was Lamar doing. Miller. <laughs> I, the, the Lamar Miller. The Lamar Miller years. Uh, yeah, the Lamar Miller were banging the table for Lamar Miller to get more touches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, I think that's that's a good one. That's the, how that long Lamar Miller for the freaking Dolphins. 
<laughs> you know, in a way, he's like Le'Veon Bell last year. Different players, obviously, but just high volume. In a, even in a bad situation, nets out to RB two, uh, and that's kind of what what it is. I mean, it's it, it, you. And I mean, he's looked good, but it's not a great. It's, it's it's not a great environment. It actually looks better than it's looked the last couple of years. But maybe Miles Gaskin's part of it. But I think it's kind of the Le'Veon Bell comparison, where you're just a true bell cow, even in not a great situation, is still attractive for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and that's what that's what we're seeing out of Miles Gaskin. You almost wish that that fits were playing a little worse, and maybe the team as a, a whole were a little <laughs> worse because it feels like Tua could maybe elevate the ceiling for this offense a little bit. And, yeah, I feel like I mean this is all speculation, obviously, but like, given Tua's injury, isn't Fitz like a greater threat as a runner right now than Tua? I, again, all <laughs> speculation. Be. But one on thing, my point. one thing I'll say is that Fitzpatrick wasn't good for about you know two and a half quarters of that game. I mean, they scored all their points early, and mm. there was there was conjecture that if they you know could get another score, that Tua would have came in a lot earlier, and yet they kept having three and outs and just like horrible drives for most of the second half of the game so I, you never saw i think Tua could have had a bigger opportunity then yeah still something we're going to be keeping our eye on but miles gaskin i think they're building themselves a fun little team down there in miami how about a, a different team in that state as i said we we're going to get back to the buccaneers how concerned are we you guys about mike evans two targets in week six caught one for 10 yards, he has a 16.7% target rate. He is 27th in the NFL in targets. Mike Evans, and we speculated before the season that he could be a big fantasy loser by going from Jameis Winston, who was just perfect for Mike Evans, to Tom Brady, and it does seem to be playing out four games of this season with 41 yards or fewer. It is just looking really ugly for Mike Evans compared with the ADP that you spent on him. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you on this one. I mean, how worried are you? If you are a Mike Evans rosterer, how concerned are you about what his rest of season value looks like? Well, I think you're worried that it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. We've seen now these games where he's, you know, 10 yards, a couple two-yard games, at least in those ones, he scored touchdowns. This is the first time he didn't score one. But he had, he had, he drew Jair Alexander. You know, just every time I was watching, Alexander was was following him around. You know, Tampa jumped out to an early lead. Uh, they got Chris Godwin back, and they also decided that Gronkowski. This was a Gronkowski game, and so. Uh, they didn't really need uh, to force the ball to Mike Evans, considering that Alexander is one of the best, you know, cover corners in the league. And why, why even bother when you have God, when you have Gronkowski, Ronald Jones is running for over 100 yards and you have a nice big lead. So I think all those kind of conspired against Mike Evans. Um, but I, I'm not overall that concerned. I think he'll be a, a guy with this offense that'll continue you know will score a lot of touchdowns going forward and have his big moments and we most of the time when he has these bad games at least we've seen in the past he's able to you know complement it at least with a touchdown and salvage something for for his fantasy rosterers out there yeah so two things here i'm glad you brought up gerald gerald <laughs> thank you I, I kept getting to, it's like it's like one of those names that gets stuck in your head and you're trying to say the other name good god jair alexander <laughs> Anyway, uh, something about him is he's Jalen Ramsey without the common man. And I'm going to say common man is like to talk disparagingly of people listening, just like the people that don't watch the NFL intently and know every single player and every player for every team, like don't know that he's Jalen Ramsey without the recognition. And that's part of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that Brandon brought that up. That was part of the coverage problem with Evans yesterday and why force him 
force the ball to him when you got that kind of coverage. The second part is something why I brought up Mike Evans as a sell high last week is the end zone versus red zone targets and the end zone conversion rate. And it's an article I wrote this off season that the past five years, when you get an end zone target, you convert about 38.3% of them to turn into a touchdown. And Mike Evans twofold here is one had been converting an exceptionally high number, which pointed to regression, but he also, his target volume hadn't really increased too much without Godwin, but the touchdown rate stayed high. So you had a concern of Godwin coming back that was going to offset Evans in general. So you have regression, you have a bad matchup, but to Brandon's point, there will be better days. If people are going to panic and all of a sudden sell him as a wide receiver too, I would jump on it. All right, this is the concern section of the show because we're moving on to another wide receiver, one who I think we have even more reason to be worried about. That is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, on paper, this should have been at least a solid game for him, right? You guys know Deontay Johnson, clearly uh, the, the number one, at least we thought, and definitely no worse than the number two option in the passing game for the Steelers, right? Six, tar- or six yards, four targets, two catches for Juju Smith-Schuster. He is now 48th in the NFL in targets, 15.8% target rate. And I just pulled this from our buddy Mike Clay over at Yahoo, Juju, or at, at ESPN. I mean, Juju who leads the Steelers in targets. Yeah, you know, it's, come on, you're the one who can't even say Jair Alexander. That's ESPN, true. <laughs> Yahoo, you get it screwed up. Juju Smith-Schuster leads the Steelers in targets, but he's fifth on the team in air yards. He has a 4.7 A dot, lowest among 85 wide receivers with 20-plus targets. I mean, Juju is looking like a Huge bust. Jake, same question here. How worried are you if Juju Smith-Schuster is on your team right now? Uh, oh, 10 out of 10. I'm actually looking at the <laughs> same tweet now that you mentioned it. I'm mad because uh-huh. he's he, the first name he mentions was actually who I was going to compare him to. He's kind of turned into Randall Cobb. So credit to Mike Clay. Uh-huh. That's the exact same name I was going to mention <laughs> because it's the short route running. It's the lack of production. It's, you know, before this we were saying, oh, it's fine. He's getting touchdowns. The targets will come around. And the targets have been there, and he's still not producing. It's not even what Chris Meany, uh, you know, out there, who friend of ours said last year is, can he be the number one and get the attention of defenses? It's worse than that. And this is now, if you have a game with no Deontay Johnson and James Washington is out producing you, and I, you know I love James Washington, but it's Claypool and Washington over top of you. In a game like that, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's not droppable, but... This is the same thing we were saying about T.Y. Hilton a few weeks ago, who is. Same thing we were saying about Golden Tate, who is droppable, who has been. Mm -hmm. Marvin Jones is droppable. Another one more week, and Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be on the – I'm about to click the button in two more weeks of this, and he's completely off my roster. Yeah, you know, the thing, Juju leads the team in targets, but he's only led the team in targets one week out of the five games. You know, he's always been, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much the clear number the two. And That's good. In the mix, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with Jake. I, I'm I'm as worried as you can be about him. And, you know, Big Ben... He likes to he likes to take the shots downfield. So I, I he's got guys in 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 Claypool. I, I think this Claypool is going to be a guy he's going to keep going to you know over and over and over again. And when Deontay Johnson's back, like Jay said, they're just for Big Ben. I think they're more enticing targets because they're deeper downfield. And I think he likes to push it. So uh, yeah, I'm worried about Juju a lot. To go back to Claypool it, real quick, Brandon. Yeah. Would, so last week I said I want Fulgham over Claypool because worst case scenario. For both of them, Fulgham's number two. Claypool could be number three. I got a feeling after yesterday, I might be saying, I don't think Claypool's worse than number two at this point, and Juju might be the number three. Yeah, and and then the only argument, I, I might not change my answer because I'm just 
more into uh, Fulgham as well. I think both of these guys look great. So, and both of them look like they're you know even more solidified. Uh, than I they literally were last jumped week. off the couch when he got that touchdown. You can ask my buddies. They were sitting there. I literally, I jumped up off the couch and smack, like did a huge clap. I was so well, and not only so that, but he he almost pulled in that hail mary at the at right before halftime. Yeah, he had that fun. all yes. the way down by yeah. it was like pinned to his knee, and then finally got knocked out. And then he also had a a huge play where he drew a pi, you know, and would have had another potentially big play. But I always say those pass interference yards should be count for players in fantasy. But uh, yeah, Fulgham looked great. Assuming a generally mm-hmm. even distribution of wide receiver resources across a fantasy league, is Juju Smith-Schuster a starter at Tennessee in Week 7? Mm-hmm. I won't. I, I will be trying not to start him. I'll tell you can. that much. I think he's in the yeah. Brandon Cooks after the Ofer game. Is you know It could happen, but it's kind of like you can't really start him until you see it turn the corner again. All right, one more guy who is in our concern section. This sort of just came about you know, naturally, organically. Uh, didn't mean to, but here we are with one more player who I think we have reason to be concerned about, and that is Cam Newton. This comes with the caveat, obviously, the Patriots didn't have a whole lot of practice time over the last couple of weeks because of their COVID-19 issues. Cam, one of the players who actually had COVID-19, so he was probably able to get even less practice time in over these last couple of weeks, but still, we have to address it. 157 yards. yards per attempt, two interceptions in what went down as a very surprising loss to the Broncos. Ten-point favorites the Patriots were in this game, and they go down 18-12. Cam now has three games this season out of four played with 162 yards or less through the air, 7.5 yards per attempt on the season, but most of that damage was done in a near 400-yard game against the Seahawks. Jake, I know I went to you first on the last one, but I'm going to go to you first on this one too because to me – Cam feels like the inverse of the guys that you always talk about, right? Breeze, Ben, Matt Ryan, they got to do it all with their arm. It seems like Cam has to do it all with his <laughs> legs or he's not going to do it at all. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think if you've everybody's seen the gif out there of him on the sideline on the bench sliding off of it with that face, like that's kind of what I feel like everybody who has Cam should be doing right now. Like, uh, this doesn't feel so good. Like, the truth is, if, you know, doesn't get a rushing touchdown, I don't know that he's fancy viable. And it kind of... It's worse, you know, I always compare them to Josh Allen and the comparisons of what they brought with wide receivers to make them both better, blah, 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 and kind of go down the list. I think at this point, he's kind of early career Cam, or uh, Josh Allen, and that's who Cam Newton's playing right now is it's the turnovers, it's the poor throws, it's if he's not rushing for that day, you're not getting even a QB top 20 potentially, so... I'd be looking for other options. I tell you this, you brought up Fitzgerald earlier, or Fitzpatrick earlier. I'd play Fitzpatrick over him weekly at this point. I think that Tannehill is deserving to be inside the top 10, who some people in some leagues still are using him as a streamer. You know I love Minshew. Uh, Andy Dalton, depending on what happens tonight, there's a lot of options to think at this point that you play over Cam Newton. You know where I'm at on him, Beller. I've been out on him as a for a <laughs> while, and I've, I I think I said last week you have to count on him scoring a rushing touchdown uh, to feel good about playing him, and he did that. And he's right now QB eleven for the week, and that's what that'll do. And he's done, you know, he's done that three or four weeks, so maybe you can count on it uh, a bit. But the passing is awful, and just watching him like the eye test, there was just some just terrible throws that uh, had no excuse for why they were so bad other than that was just cam um but yeah i think if you're gonna play him you just do yourself a favor and don't watch him but i i agree i'd rather have ryan fitzpatrick <laughs> I'd, rather, 
Just don't watch him. It's, it's the old Blake Bortles thing. You know what? When Blake Bortles was good in fantasy, it was like, don't watch him, just play him. You know, and that's and that Josh Allen had a bit of that as well, though he's looked pretty good this year. And I honestly don't even know what to make of his matchup this week with the 49ers because yeah. 49ers have been all over the map, like good yeah. or bad, one week to the next. Getting Jason Verrett back certainly did not hurt them last night of course. against the Rams. And uh, just to, to circle, yeah. uh, to put a fine point on this, hold on, hold on, let me finish and then you can go. Uh, QB <laughs> 11, QB 11, as you said, Brandon, that is with Russell Wilson on a bye. Josh Allen hasn't played yet. Patrick Mahomes hasn't played yet. Kyler Murray hasn't played yet. Four guys who we are always going to assume are going to have bigger games than Cam Newton, and he's still QB 11. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, what Jeff. I was going to add to this is that Julian Edelman might be droppable at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had concerns about that uh, passing game coming into the season after what they did last year with good reason, and that appears to be coming to fruition after uh, what we saw from this team against the Broncos. I, I will say Edelman looked like the best passer on the team, though. So maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe that will become a regular part of the, the game plan. There you go. Even more regular than it already has been uh, <laughs> under the uh, Bill Belichick-Josh McDaniels offensive uh, play call in there. All right, guys, let's talk some wide receiver waivers to uh, pretty much wrap up the show. We'll get to some streamers, too, in a little bit here. Uh, the first two guys are the two guys who I really want to focus on. I've got Tim Patrick and Travis Fulgham down. we got to get to your guy here, Jake. Let's start with Fulgham just because we've already talked about him a little bit. I was surprised. I didn't think that we would be able to talk about him in this context again, but 31% rostered on Yahoo, 51% rostered on CBS, and we always look to CBS as the uh, provider that has the highest roster rates and still just 51% percent rostered in CBS leagues. He scored a touchdown in all three games he's played this season. 18 catches, 284 yards, and the three scores. And the big thing here, guys, is I don't really care personally when, if and when, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson come back. Travis Fulgham's got to be the wide receiver one in Philly, right, Jake? 100%. Worst case scenario, he's the number two. And the one thing I will continue to say, Brandon brought it up last week, and it was the great point about it is Carson Wentz is throwing to him when it's in coverage contested situations because he needs them. And it was a terrible matchup. And people will argue, well, one of the touchdown came late. Touchdown still came. Touchdown could have been not even like take that one away. As Brandon mentioned earlier, it could have been the one that he just dropped on the Hail Mary. Oh, that's a Hail Mary. I don't care. He got 10 targets. <laughs> I don't care. He's going to him constantly. Six for 75 and a touchdown on 10 targets against the Ravens. If you do it against the Ravens, I have zero concerns about you. Take the name away. Take the fact that he came from a walk-on at ODU. Take the name away. Put a different name on that jersey, and we're talking about him. You would put Claypool on his jersey, and people are going bananas. Yeah, and, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he's older. He's old. He's broken down. And Travis Fulgham's a younger version doing uh, Al Al Alshon Jeffrey kind of things, being that big body guy, going up and making contested catches, being kind of the power forward uh, wide receiver. I, I, I don't see how you would, tr you know, try to bring Alshon Jeffrey back and, and – take away from Fulgham's workload. So Deshaun Jackson would be a nice compliment. I could see that working out well for Fulgham. Um, I just don't see Alshon Jeffrey coming coming in and, and running a lot of interference on Fulgham's workload at this point. Yeah, we're all excited about Dallas Goddard, but uh, it's not like Zach Ertz has been getting no work in the Philly offense, 10 targets in week six. So Fulgham's been able to do it alongside guys who have also been getting 
big target numbers at this point. I think we got to consider him. Uh, I think the wide receiver one and Jake, as you said, at worst, the wide receiver two for this offense and already appears to have the trust of Carson Wentz. The other guy, Tim Patrick, another 100-yard game, his second straight game going over the century mark, eight targets, caught four of them for 101. To me, you guys, at least the 1A. At the very worst, he is a 1A to Jerry Judy's number one, and I think you can make the argument that Tim Patrick is the number one receiver in Denver for the rest of the season. Where are we at on him, Brandon? I'll admit some pedigree bias here. Like he's just a guy that wasn't, you know, came out in the draft, wasn't that uh, ballyhooed and has kind of just been sitting on that Denver roster for a couple of years, you know, and been sort of the wallflower there. And and now he's getting his opportunity and, and look at, I, I should probably respect him a little bit more. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to buy all in, but he's had a nice run of three good games and it's come with injuries. And, uh, you know, sometimes this is how, Things developed kind of, uh, kind of like not like Travis Fulgham so much because Patrick was out there from the beginning. But taking he's a bigger receiver, taking advantage of an opportunity, and it seems like the quarterbacks are gravitating towards him there. So I, you know, I I don't have him as high as Travis Fulgham, but I think he certainly deserves to be rostered in competitive twelve team leagues and in deeper. Yeah, I'd still put Judy as the number one and everything Brandon said. He's been in the waiver column for a few weeks. I don't really love either of them this upcoming week, though. Kansas City secondary has been mm-hmm. proven that, you know, that's one of the tougher matchups in the league right now. I was able to come over the, the Patriots matchup, but it's a steep drop-off right now with the way that the Patriots are playing from Gilmore to the rest. And he was able to avoid Gilmore at times, and Gilmore wasn't didn't even look to be 100% maybe because, he you know, the COVID scenario, similar to Cam Newton, not practicing. When you have the flu situation, it kind of drained you. So I do like Patrick, but I'm not ready to say that he's a must-start, that's for sure. Like I, I don't want him start him, honestly, against Kansas City. Let's run through, run through one more receiver here really quickly. It's yes. Keelan Cole. Finally. Yeah. yeah. This is teasing. About, all right, Jake, take it away. Keelan Cole, go. <laughs> I just and you say Brandon says I don't ever apologize. I feel like it was what four or five straight weeks I started the show and said I will apologize for this player or I was wrong on this player. So I just want to come back. I just never believe say, you're. I just never believe you're sincere. I'm serious. Okay, that, that's hey. You know what? I'll give you that. That's certainly fair. But how many weeks in a row? Two, three weeks in a row that I told you, Brandon, I am not ready to trust Chenault because he's the number three and Cole is still the number two. And I did start Chenault in some leagues because we do play in some deeper leagues. But Cole has been the number two, continues to be the number two, was the number one yesterday in production. Chark obviously, you know, wasn't 100%. This is just 100% about the fact of Cole versus Chenault and that it's still Cole until further notice, Brandon. So now it's your turn to apologize to me. I don't want to apologize. Um, I want to. I want to say that I just. I'm not gonna. I will not have Keelan Cole on any of my rosters. I will have Lavishka Chanel on all. I started of them. in flex. I, I will believe in, in talent. I know. Good for you. I. I don't know what it is about Keelan Cole. I cannot get excited about it. Uh, I. I don't get it. But it's an. It's an uh, anti hard knocks bias. Yeah, I <laughs> will say Chanel is more exciting, but he's still just the, that's what I I continue to always say. This is it's always going to be tr- t- tough for me to trust somebody who is the number three wide receiver. The weeks will come. The production will be there. There are a lot of fun weeks we've already had with Chanel, but any given week, this is why I never love the number three. It's it's similar. To, yeah, go back I mean, to Randall Cobb again. Randall Cobb scores a touchdown. Yeah, I had Randall Cobb. Most weeks it's uh, this is kind of frustrating. He got me like 40 yards because he's the number three. 
Yeah, and the average depth of target for Chenault's not exciting. Chenault should be exciting in like a Debo Samuel Sunday night kind of way where he's, you know, making plays on, you know, on carries and on receptions and being a physical, you know, running back. Or even Ayuk, yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and so – I, I mean, I'm I'm certainly disrespecting Keelan Cole more than he deserves. I just can't help it. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not even let's not even go down that road because that's actually sort of making me a little uncomfortable. And let's just move on <laughs> to the stream quarterbacks and defenses to stream for Week Seven. We've got four more teams going on by at least as scheduled right now. Sitting here on Monday, Ravens, Vikings, Colts, and Dolphins all taking a seat. In week seven. So who we got here as a quarterback to stream? Jake, why don't you take this one first? I think assuming what happens with Dalton, he feels like one of the top options to stream this week against Washington. But surprisingly enough, I know we use CBS for a lot of things, and but on Yahoo, they're still both yet to be 60% owned. And it's two guys facing each other. It's Gardner Minshew and Justin Herbert. If they happen to be there in your league, those are your top two options, and it's not even close. After that, it would be Andy Dalton, assuming, like, unless Andy Dalton looks terrible tonight. I think Andy Dalton against Washington is the best one. Yeah, I agree. If those guys, Minshew and, and Herbert, are there, definitely. Uh, uh, Bella, you've, you've listed a ton, a ton of quarterbacks here on our list, and, and Jake took the top guy, Andy Dalton. You had Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Drew Locke, Nick Foles. And I'm going to go among all those guys with the guy at the bottom, Kyle Allen, who I know will <laughs> have no problem just gripping it and ripping it, you know, and he's going to, you know, be happy to throw it 40 plus times. And if he throws an interception or two, he's fine with it. But he ends up with 280 and two in its first full game last week, this uh, this past Sunday, and he gets Dallas. And I think 280 and two Kyle is probably Allen over what Teddy. He, I'll take Kyle Allen over Teddy against okay. New Orleans. Teddy, yes. Teddy at the Saints. Yeah, we got a couple of. Uh, uh, revenge game narratives, although obviously not revenge. Maybe for Garoppolo, Garoppolo <laughs> at New England, and then uh, Teddy at the Saints. Teddy, I there think, probably go. has nothing but good memories from his time <laughs> in New Orleans. But Garoppolo could have a little bit of uh, revenge on the brain going to New England to take on the Patriots. And yeah, Sweet. Kyle Allen, like you said, it, w- it wasn't pretty. Washington did not get a win, even though they maybe let it get away. He had that ugly fumble at the end of it. But hey, two eighty and two, like you said, a rushing touchdown in his first start before he left that game with an injury. So the fantasy production on a you know per quarter per play basis has been there so far through a game and a half for Kyle Allen, and really that is all we care about in this context. How about the defenses, you guys? Uh, this one feels a little bit thinner, I will say. Uh, Yahoo leagues, you know, where people don't go on a buy or on on waivers if they are on a buy. Chargers get Jacksonville at home next week, and so they could be sitting out there as a free agent where you wouldn't even have to worry about waivers right now. So that's one I would look at. But who else are we looking at on the stream in Week Seven, Brandon? Uh, I like the Chargers at Jacksonville. I would say the Eagles against the Giants. The Eagles get great push uh, up front, um, and that can be a problem for Daniel Jones. I'd happily employ the Eagles against this Giants offense this week. Yeah, but it's funny that I'm looking at Yahoo, and the Saints that you have listed here aren't available, but the Eagles are, and Tampa Bay Bucks are. Uh, I'm actually terrified oh of Derek goodness. Carr coming off the bye against the Buccaneers with the way they've been playing. Uh, those mm-hmm. would be my top two: Eagles and Bucks, easy. And then yeah, the Saints against Carolina would be number three. Oh no, yeah, the Saints just actually do make the cut. But yeah, Eagles and Bucks would be the, my top two. 
Yeah, never a bad idea, as we've seen, to pick on either of the New York teams. Eagles give you an opportunity in plenty of places to do that this week. Jets are playing the Bills, so they're probably roundly rostered in your leagues. But if they're not, that would be a great one to go after, as we saw what the Dolphins did to the Jets in week six. And right there, we are going to wrap things up, you guys, for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Another great one in the books. The show will be back with you on Tuesday. That will be Nando DeFino and Chris Ficaro. The three of us will be back with you on Wednesday to talk week seven rankings. Until then, for Jake and Brandon, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening and enjoy these games on Monday night. <laughs>